although it's commonly believed that Bathory was caught in the act of torture, she was in fact having dinner. This stuff well, about we walked in on her, like, oh, she had all the honey. There, were, there was a whole big <laughs> bowl of ants just waiting. She was just sitting down like, can I help you? It's 6.30, I'm, I'm trying to eat. Do you mind? Maybe it's, maybe it's what she was eating. Yeah, maybe it was a prey girl. Um, <laughs> uh, wow, okay, the countdown worked. Hey, how about that? <laughs> hey, yeah. everybody, and welcome to episode 19 of History's Greatest Idiots, the show in which uh, we give you lessons from history, and hopefully you can learn from them and never repeat those mistakes again, but who are we kidding? We're humans, we make mistakes all the time. And it's a Halloween special today, and joining me as ever is my amazing co-host Derek. Derek, would you like to do a dramatic reveal, please? Boom. Hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. As you can see, I take this shit serious. <laughs> I love it so much. Oh, uh, my God. That's amazing. That's so cool. Oh, yes. We are now live on, um, for the first time ever, we're live on Twitch and Twitter, and um, although I can't seem to get Twitter working, um, we're live on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Again, can't see YouTube, but we're certainly live on Twitch, so that's that's. I fine. see little check marks next to the thing, so that works. That's, that's, yeah, we're, we're using Streamlabs, so uh, it's not Streamlabs, StreamYard. I do beg yeah. your pardon, StreamYard. Um, so this is, uh, this is all kind of, you know, working the kinks out, I guess, but hopefully... Um, Everyone can see this okay. Anyway, so, um, it, it's the Halloween special. It's that amazing time of year when uh, people go out and collect razor-filled candy and, um, you yeah, know, right. get strangled by a giant man who killed his sister and was locked up in a sanitarium for 18 years or whatever it was, the story from Halloween. Uh, oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, what's what's it been like over there with you, Derek? What's Halloween like over there at the moment? Um, is it gearing up to it? It's gearing up. We're almost there. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, as you can see, I live in uh, an area right now where I can't use my outdoor Halloween decorations, so I decorated oh. my little office studio space for you here and uh, <laughs> dressed up in a costume because, well... It looks I, amazing. I thought this was it looks to absolutely be a amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do love it. I, um, I, mean, I, I kind of love the whole Halloween season and stuff like that but it's like it's very different over here you know people do halloween but i i don't know it's just it's it seems like a really big deal over in america and it's something i'd love to be able to experience in person is like the american version of halloween so yeah definitely uh you guys make such an amazing deal of it and um i really wish um <laughs> we could have something like that over here but uh at the moment it's just sort of people waiting and you know hiding from covid still so yeah that that's the biggest scare of all i think yeah no um, kidding i'm not sure how it's gonna work with the handing out candy stuff this year i guess mm. i should probably just dress up in a hazmat suit <laughs> i think everybody should it get very unoriginal very quickly and um yeah Hand i guess like all wipes <laughs> yeah, you remember those, like, I, I guess it's something that, like, kids from the 80s and 90s will remember, those, like, mechanical claw things that would, like, chomp onto people, like, things that you could, like, 
make grab oh, yeah, from yeah. a distance, those things. Like, I get one of those and just hand the candy over. <laughs> now, that's, that's the safest way of doing it, socially distance Halloween. Uh, JJ, hello, welcome to the stream. It's good to have you with us. So yeah, I think um, socially distance Halloween is, is definitely going to be a thing uh, this year. So um, how is Arizona at the moment? How are you guys doing over there? How's everything going at the moment? Oh, man. Uh, everything's <laughs> going okay. It's the same crazy stuff going on uh people protesting vaccine mandates and uh oh, complaining and whatnot but the weather's damn nice now so. oh yeah is it kind Woo-hoo! of cooled we down made... a little bit I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd really love that to be the case because you guys suffered with like some really intense weather for for a very long time so what's it like now is it calmed down a little bit oh like so, yeah, I think we're in the 60s and oh, pleasant. our highs yeah. are in the 80s and stuff. So uh, It's okay. Um, it's gone cold here. Uh, it was 8 degrees last night, which was an interesting thing. I'm currently having my house like worked on by construction guys. So my wife and I came back from a, a lovely holiday, uh, a week-long holiday where we had like a getaway and we were like walking on beaches and we had a spa day and uh, ate great food and had lots of sleep and it was just just amazing and then we got back and we both got colds and we came back to a building site and there's just like a th- a fine layer of dust on everything in the house so uh, that is there's also a hole behind my house, so it's kind of an experience, really. Uh, yeah, JJ, thanks. Uh, we're good. I hope you're okay. DP, hello. Welcome to the stream. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. So, yeah, I've uh, my wife and I have been struggling for the last week with a cold. In fact, we were supposed to do this last week, but I, you would not have liked the way I sounded last week. I would not have been able to get through the, uh, the podcast. So, yeah, yeah it's... We, uh, we sound like this now. I sound real sexy right now. Uh, yeah, sound like Barry White if he were kind of morphed with like an android or something. It's um, it's it's kind of uh, uh, not a great feeling to be honest. But anyway, that's, that's enough about that. We're on Halloween, and yeah. uh, there's a very special episode because we're doing spooky idiots, uh, gruesome idiots, and all, all of that. So all the good stuff. All, Let me get this uh, mask off so I can... <laughs> you start a sweat bucket, so don't think. Uh, don't worry, I'll vamp for a bit. You take off the incredibly tight latex mask. It, it kind of looked ah! like a cross between um, Kane, Satan, and Rey Mysterio for a second there. So that's... Uh, I'm glad you're now comfortably out of that, yeah. Um, yeah don't look awesome. any less scary. He's <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, uh, just kind of more like... It got a bit of uh, Charles Bronson, uh, the... the kind of the guy from the uk going on at the moment it looks really good that's that's a good halloween costume um so derek who is your halloween special idiot well you know with halloween being the way it is it conjures up all the thoughts of spooky and macabre stuff Mm -hmm. and it's like i don't know there's superstition and tradition people telling scary stories about ghosts and ghouls and werewolves and i thought (laughs) you know what Witches, witches have to do with Halloween, and there was a period in time when uh, people just killed people they thought were witches. That's very true. So, I thought it might be fun to take a look at the real-life history of someone that took their superstition and beliefs just way too far. Mm. Today, I'd like to tell you the tale of England's witch-finder general, Matthew Hopkins. <laughs> oh man, what well, uh, I can't wait for this. Go, I got hitters with it. Matthew Hopkins. Oh god, I can't. So wait. there's there's not a lot known about his early life. Sure. So 
uh, I'm not going to be able to look at any sort of trauma from his childhood that might have led to the extreme superstitions that he had, mm. um, yeah. which led to torture and murder. Uh, what is known about him that he, is he was born in Great Wenham in Suffolk. Wenham? Uh, yeah. How do you we spell go. that? Uh, W-E-N-H-A-M. In Wenham, yeah. Wenham, that sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, England. Suffolk? Suffolk? Suffolk. Okay, yeah. yeah. Very good. Uh, That's very well done. He was the fourth of six children of James Hopkins, a Puritan vicar of St. John's Great Wenham. Okay, sure, yeah. Uh, perhaps being the son of a Puritan vicar had something to do with his yeah. superstition and thoughts. Fuck yeah, that time. <laughs> My God. <laughs> um, it should be mentioned that there was a shit ton happening in England right at that same time that kind of mm-hmm. created a perfect climate for Hopkins to position oh. himself. Did in... it ever. Yeah. Well, during the 16th and 17th century, England was really in the grips of like a hysteria over witchcraft that was kind of brought on in part by King James I, who was mm. obsessed with the dark arts and wrote he that really whole, was. what was it, demonology in yeah. 1599? Yeah. That book uh, was actually later used by Hopkins as a tool in his witch finding. Wow. So it should also be noted that England was going through one of the darkest periods of economic depression and mm-hmm. religious revivory, as well as the threat of civil war being right there on the population. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely lingering around about that time, and it wouldn't take long to materialize either, so <laughs> <laughs> it was right on the horizon. So, yeah, man, that was not, it was not a good time. I mean, it, medieval, well, that, medieval, it's kind of more enlightenment times now because the, you know, uh, the, the renaissance has happened, but that point in time in European history was very turbulent, not that Europe's especially calm at any point in history, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, that particular time, there was a lot of paranoia. Like, a staggering amount of scared people were around at that time. And unfortunately, a lot of them had power. And that's kind of the worst thing to have when you are paranoid. Absolutely. Power over people, yeah. So, sorry, so carry all, on. All of those powerful people and mm. that superstition and hysteria and fear combined to create, like, a perfect environment where the citizens across the country were perfectly set up to have a witch finder general come wandering in and peddle his wares. Please so save er- a strong man. <laughs> in the early part of 1640, he moved to Manning Tree, Essex, where mm-hmm. he was, according to most of the information available, he tried to establish himself as a gentleman and a local aristocrat. Very and nice. even it's believed he bought the Thorn Inn in Mistley. Okay, yeah, that's 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 a good good living if you're establishing yourself as a kind of a member of the aristocracy, but you kind of may not have the money. Then, um, then yeah, I I think uh, buying yourself a pub would be really good. Uh, certainly a good way of you know getting yourself some extra money if you don't have any land. So yeah, on, for please. sure. So Matthew Hopkins, the self-proclaimed witch hunter general, uh, started getting down to business in March of 1644 uh, when he associated with John Stern and Mm. they who who had accused a group of women in Manning Tree Essex of trying to kill him with sorcery okay right yeah sorry just want to say Stern and Hopkins sounds like an amazing law firm 
Um, I know, right? Doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so yeah, he's he's like, right, these women, they tried to bewitch me. It's like, no, we just turned you down because you were pestering us. No, witches. So that, that, immediately that's my first thought. <laughs> so Hopkins began to investigate John Stern's accusations, and his investigations involved subjecting the accused to sleep deprivation oh, and on, physical searches of their bodies, looking for any physical deformi- deformity or blemish that could be labeled a devil's mark. Is <laughs> uh, he a fucking plastic surgeon? Like, oh, you're going to have to get this removed. This was put here by the devil. My God. Uh, Jesus. Well, he was he was very professional about it. The investigations oh, sure. led to 23 women, although that's not a for sure number. It kind of varies between mm-hmm. accounts. But it led to around 23 women being accused of witchcraft and tried in 1644. Jeez. Uh, the trial was presided over by the justices of the peace and resulted in 19 women being convicted and hanged Jeez. while four other women died in prison. Oh, so, my God. If you're bad at math, that means all of them died off. <laughs> yeah, boy. Uh, following that success in the trial, success. Hopkins... <laughs> They're Hopkins all dead. Success. Went, well, he found them, damn it. He did, yeah. He found uh, witches. Well, after that, uh, those trials, they decided to take the show on the road and traveled throughout <laughs> East Anglia and uh, okay, other nearby yeah. counties. No, very, um, very, very receptive to witch finding in, in so, East Anglia. There's not much to do there. In his real wokeness, though, he <laughs> brought along with him an entourage of female assistants that he Ooh. called seekers or searchers. Mm, that good. They, they used them to conduct those physical searches of the accused women. Because, I mean, you wouldn't want no. these women that he's about to kill to have suffered the indignity of having their naked bodies examined by a man. I know, yeah. Like We respect the people we're about to murder, okay? We give them their dignity. They can be searched by another woman who will also accuse them of being a witch before we kill them. You know, that's, that's, yeah. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. It's good of him, yes. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Did I mention that, that uh, Matthew Hopkins... Uh, falsely claimed to hold the official office of Witchfinder General. Ooh, no, you didn't mention that. That's kind of interesting. So he's a charlatan as well. <laughs> he, Yeah, he claimed to be part of an official commission by Parliament to oh. uncover the witches residing in, popula- or in the populace by using a practice called pricking. Yeah, well, well, he's a what prick. What is pricking? So. <laughs> <laughs> it's his, the pricking was actually his foolproof method for finding witches through a process of uh, pricking or poking the suspected witch with a needle, a pin, or uh, something of that nature. Yeah. The, pra- the practice was derived from the belief that all witches and sorcerers um, bore a witch's mark that would not feel pain or bleed when it was pricked. So right. once they stripped them down and searched their bodies and found the devil's mark, <laughs> then he poked it with a needle. <laughs> <laughs> Super like, scientific. This, this looks weird. This will do. Fucking <laughs> hell. Oh, wait, though. There's more because it was widely believed that Hopkins used uh, trick prickers. Oh, right. They had a retractable point, so he could poke them without poking them and then be like, oh, they didn't feel it. They're a witch. So he was super sneaky on so that he's, aspect. He's a he's lying. We we've already established that. B he's 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 a lunatic. We've also already established that. Although at that time it would have been very difficult to tell a lunatic from someone who was just a bit full of religious fervor. And now he's like making shit up so that he can get away with doing what he's doing. This 
This guy is pure evil. My it's God. Almost like he was doing some sort of magic trick with, <laughs> with his, his retractable poker there, though. Like actual, <laughs> like a magician. <laughs> that's that's kind of amazing. He's got the the poker version of uh, a sumo wrestler's genitalia, where they can just retract it at will. It's just kind of. <laughs> I never, never would have thought of it. Oh yeah, they, right up in the body, so that they they don't feel any pain when they're getting like the the wedgie from their opponent. You know, really right Good. up there. <laughs> Man. Now I'm never going to get that image. Yeah, out that's of my that's going to be there. That's going to be there all Halloween. That image. Uh, sorry, carry it. on with Matthew Hopkins <laughs> and his retracting uh, penis pen. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so his even though the torture was considered unlawful in oh, yeah. uh, under English law, Hopkins used the techniques like sleep deprivation uh, to confuse the victims into confessing Jeez. and cutting arms of the accused with a blunt knife. There you go. Um, so that they didn't like bleed trying to or oh and then tying the victims to a chair and sticking them in water because... right yes no i remember that that's that's the i think there's elements of that in monty python uh, oh yeah that's, that's where i get all my witch information <laughs> from monty python films that was uh, me too yeah <laughs> <laughs> she turned me into a newt <laughs> that's it yeah i got better um, um. <laughs> <laughs> so the, you might wonder how those tests would prove somebody was a witch, uh, mm. cutting them with a knife or yeah. throwing them into the water. But it, it's a, a believed that if the accused didn't bleed, they would be a witch. Because right. you can't cut a witch with a knife. Okay. And then if you threw them in the water and they floated, they were also a witch because... Um, because witches made well. of wood. Yes, yeah, Some, something like that, I guess. But witches float. They had to be a witch. Okay. There was really so many rules that somebody should have wrote a book and kept that down. Yeah, because oh, he seems wait. like he's making that shit up. Oh, wait, that someone did? He did. He he did that later, though. I'll tell you about it in a minute. Oh, <laughs> so the hysteria continued to grow, and Hopkins spent most of uh, 1648 conducting the witch-hunted hunts, which proved to be super lucrative in terms of monetary gains. Because but how does he get paid, though? Would it be like the town that would pay him? Or... That's really well, weird. Yeah, Hopkins and his company were paid for their investigations, and it's reported that Ipswich in right. Suffolk actually had to raise the taxes to pay for his <sighs> services. Fucking hell. Oh, as if people who live there don't have enough to deal with with living in Ipswich. Jesus Christ. Uh, wow. That's, that's, but, they raised the taxes. <sighs> according to Hopkins, though, he stated uh, later in his book, A Discovery of Witches, that the fees were merely to maintain his company and three horses. And he goes on to explain mm. that uh, 20 shillings per town That's was about right. That's a fuckload of money. That's it, so much money from like 16, whatever it was. That's like, yeah, that's a yearly income in one, in, in one go. Really. Well, and accord, according to some of the historical records, it shows that he was actually charging them 23 pounds. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> If you look at that, it's like 3800 in today's currency, Jesus. I guess. Jesus. So on top of charging and overcharging and <laughs> lying about it in his books, and yeah. uh, Hopkins and Stern claim to have a license to seek him, even though there's no evidence that he wielded any sort of authority like uh, William Downsing, the oh, right, yeah. iconoclast general who held that commission from uh, parliamentarian general. Um, sure. But it's believed that they did at least have some sort of letters of safe conduct that allowed them to wander the countryside during the 
possible civil war that could have been happening at that time. Yep. Otherwise, true. they could have gotten themselves got. And also, uh, you know, this is the era of dandy hi- dandy highwaymen. So, uh, yep. Yes, they they could have been made to stand and deliver. So, so I'm just <laughs> quoting. Adam I'm Ant assuming they had some sort of forgery papers yeah maybe um but between the years 1644 and 1646 hopkins and his company were believed to be responsible for the execution of around 300 (sighs) supposed witches jesus christ those poor women were all of them women or the vast majority of them no he actually had some some men in there too okay so necromancers Um, or did he call them witches as well or Something uh, that's a good question, and yeah. I think I have this. No, no, that's okay. It probably would have been like, "You're a witch." Well, I mean, is that gender specific? Because I'm a, I'm a man, but then I'm still a witch. Um, so yeah, what would that? Well, I mean, a they warlock, were making shit maybe. up as they go. So hey, yeah. that might be it. Warlock. There we go. We just named it. Take so, it, Hopkins. Go for it. They were taken on, or they took out about 300 witches and were responsible for sending even more accused people to the gallows uh, than any of the other witch hunters that were active within the previous 160 years. <laughs> oh my God. That's ridiculous. That is but insane. It didn't last too long because attentions uh, began to mount regarding their motives and expertise and authority, and a Puritan cleric by the name of John Gall started to clash with them and preach against them. Good. And in his book, uh, Select Case of the Conscious, Ooh. Touching Witches and Witchcraft. God damn, that's a long name. That is a Gall- fucking long name. That's, Take a lesson yeah. from Chaucer, you, you, you overly <laughs> literate arsehole. Jeez. So Gaul exposed the self-appointed witch uh, finder's methods in that long-ass titled book <laughs> that you can find somewhere. Yeah. And yeah. in 1647, at the postponed Norfolk Aussies, a group of gentlemen influenced by Gaul's writing produced a series of probing questions for man, uh, Mr. Anthony, or excuse me, Matthew Hopkins, and mm. they claimed... He used unlawful courses of torture to make them say anything for the ease of quiet yeah. and exclaimed that was, quote, an abominable, inhumane, and unmerciful trial of other poor creatures by tying them and heaving them into the water, a trial not allowable law by law or conscious, end quote. I think that that sounds about right. Yeah, um, <laughs> I completely agree with him. Uh, he was out of control and doing pretty much whatever he wanted. Um, and earning an absolute fortune while he did it. It's kind of insane, but, you know, I mean, shit like that was going on a lot at that time. So, yeah, wow. Well, by the time the court resumed, both Hopkins and Stern uh, retired from witch hunting, (laughs) which is pretty convenient, but thank goodness the mass murder was over. Yeah, thank God. Sort of. Mm. (laughs) The same year, that's when uh, Hopkins published his book, The Discovery of Witches, Mm. which tried to rebuff Gall's accusations by detailing his methods and recounts and how he does it. It was aided by the explosion in in demand for the printed word, so the book became Mm. kind of a minor sensation. Sure, yeah. And led to his enduring reputation. Uh, Matthew Hopkins died at his home in Manning Tree on the 12th of August, 1647, of tuberculosis, which okay. I'm sure he really thought was witchcraft. And <laughs> yeah. If he'd have been around to explain it, he would have pointed yeah, them might. out, too. Where's, where's the nearest woman? It was her, that witch there. Wow, Jesus. Now, you'd think that the end 
or his death would be the end of the story, but it's not. Oh, did, was he a witch and he brought himself back to life? Because that would be amazing if that were the case. <laughs> it would be. It would be ironic. Yeah. <laughs> um, Matthew Hopkins actually was able to influence from beyond the grave with his book because uh-huh. the discovery of witches was used as kind of a manual uh, for the trial and conviction of Margaret Jones in the Massachusetts Bay Colony on the east coast of the oh, Americas. No. So Jones's execution was the first in a witch hunt that lasted in New England from 1648 until 1663, Jeez. where about 80 more people throughout New England were accused of practicing witchcraft, 15 of whom were women and two were men, and they were all executed. <laughs> oh, my God. So... Uh, they they lived on, or he lived on in his book by mm. outlining his methods and them just taking them on in the Salem witch trials. Oh. So, in in the words of historian Malcolm Gaskill, Matthew Hopkins lives on as an anti-hero and boogeyman, utterly ethereal, endlessly malleable, and I think maybe possibly one of history's greatest idiots, but that's just me. Uh, yeah, for sure. I, it's interesting that the histori- historian will call him an anti-hero. He's a straight-up villain. There's no two fucking ways about it. <laughs> he's charging money to murder people, and he's faking the results. And also, oh, it's yeah. witchcraft, so it's like, it's bullshit anyway. It's so like someone who's very good with maybe medicines or natural remedies and stuff, yeah, immediately a witch. Or, she bewitched me because something happened and she was nearby when it happened. It's just... It's utter bullshit, and it's um, it's typical of the mentality that unfortunately prevails to this very day in in kind of persecuting kind of uh, different minority groups who are just vulnerable to attack. But Matthew Hopkins is a particularly bad case because he's essentially, like you say, he's someone who popularized the whole uh, method of finding and trying witches, which has led to hundreds of deaths since. Um, And, you know, the whole, we talk about witch trials like it's a thing of the past. There are parts of the world where black magic and all of that shit is still used as excuses for various things to this very day. So it's, it's depressing, but it still happens. So as a result of Matthew Hopkins basically murdering his way across East Anglia and the rest of the country and influencing a paranoia that continues to this day, although obviously it died down a little bit after afterwards. I'm going to have to give him a solid 91, I think. Woohoo! He's just... <laughs> and the thing is, so obviously, you know, it's different categories of idiots. We've talked about this before, like whether they're actual, like really kind of stupid idiots or whether they're failures or whether they're just evil or arseholes. This guy is a pure evil arsehole. Like, he was very successful at what he did. He was a very good... Um, kind of oh, yeah. uh kind of talented successful individual because he was able to get money out of people for his wares but the problem is he was probably disconnected from the reality of the situation and that he didn't realize what he was doing was far more evil than what he was accusing the witches of doing so oh, yeah yeah for sure matthew hopkins definitely a 91 a solid high 91 there because he was pure pure unadulterated, money-grabbing evil uh, and murdered people as well. So now right it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, 91 is a good score. So now we, we've um, we've covered one misogynistic, patriarchal murderer. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit. I'm going to introduce you to our third ever female member of History's Greatest Idiots. But this one 
is a little bit more complicated than it seems because you'll have to judge whether any of this is true or not. There's an awful lot of evidence. (laughs) Let me introduce you to the amazing story and really quite depressing and dark, certainly for even by Halloween standards story, of Elizabeth Bathory, Hungary's greatest monster or victim, depending on whose perspective you take. So I'm just going to pre-warning out there if anybody is listening in Hungary, because I know we have listeners all over the world now. I am going to mispronounce everything in this segment and it is not intentional i promise you that well so. they're just lucky you're saying it not me so <laughs> at least it'll I, I sort of sound saying, nice i know i wish i was saying things like ipswich and suffolk because i you know that that's easy but this is like <laughs> tr- transylvanian names and hungarian names and shit like that so get you settle in for my terrible pronunciation and let's <laughs> kick it off this. now <laughs> countess elizabeth bathory de exed was born in 1560 on a family estate in Nierabator, Royal Hungary. She spent her childhood in Exed Castle. Her father was Baron George VI Bathory of the Exed branch of the family, brother of Andrew Bonaventura Bathory, who had been a voivod of Transylvania, which is kind of like ruler, I guess, or like okay. lord or something like that. The voivod is, is it's a whole thing in, I think it's Slavic countries and stuff. Um, gotcha. So, fuck yeah, Transylvania, <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> there we things. go. Yeah, we're getting right into it. Uh, her mother was Baroness Anna Bathory, daughter of Stephen Bathory of Somloya, also a voivod of Transylvania. So she's like deep into the Transylvanian dynasty, uh, basically. She's connected. Family. She is connected up up the river. Like there's no two ways. She is born <laughs> into privilege. Through her mother, Elizabeth was the niece of the Hungarian noble Stephen Bathory, the King of Poland, the Grand Duke of Lithuania of the Polish Lithuanian Commonwealth, and the Prince of Transylvania. So even more connections there to people of significant power. Nibbling um, up all of uh, yeah Eastern Europe, there kind of yeah <laughs> Lithuania. You got Poland, just like the, there's basically a line between them and Russia at this point. Um, so yeah, and uh, she her older brother Stephen Bathory served as uh, Judge Royal of Hungary, so he's like the highest kind of uh, civil servant in the land, essentially. Okay. As a child, Bathory, this is, this, it gets, from the start, it's fucked up, this. As a child, Elizabeth Bathory suffered multiple seizures that may have been caused by epilepsy or some sort of related condition. At the time, because this is 1560 Hungary slash Transylvania, so not Was exactly. That- Go on. Back when they were eating off of like lead plates and shit, Pretty too. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Or like, um, just the, the standards of hygiene and medicine had just they'd fallen off a cliff since Roman times. So, you know, this was, it's called the Dark Ages for a reason. You know, plagues were rampant and disease, pestilence, it was just around every corner. But um, she suffered from uh, seizures which were almost likely uh, epilepsy. At the time, the symptoms relating to epilepsy were diagnosed as a falling sickness, whatever the fuck that is. Um, she gets sick and falls it out. It falls down. Oh, fall, falling sickness. Right, I named it. Thank you. <laughs> Copyright me. Thank you very much. Uh, treatments included rubbing blood of a non-sufferer on the lips of an epileptic or giving the epileptic a mix of non-sufferer's blood and a piece of the skull 
as the episode ended. Fucking Transylvania. <laughs> Feed them blood. It'll work. Just, blood. Blood. That's <laughs> uh, everything. And skull fragments, apparently. What yeah. the fuck? The fucking Jesus. middle age medicine. Middle ages medicine. You're basically uh, mentally scarring a child at this point. Oh, yeah. So like, oh, she's having a seizure. Let's wake her up and let's just smear some blood and burn skull fragments on her lips. There, there you go. You'll feel better. And I was like, wait, what What the fuck? Oh, my God. This isn't even mine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's so disgusting. Um, uh, a proposal man. made by some sources in order to explain Bathory's cruelty later in her life is that she was trained by her family to be cruel. Stories include a young Bathory witnessing brutal punishments executed by uh, family's officers and being taught by family members involved with Satanism and witchcraft. Halloween! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, again, there's no hard evidence for these claims, and a lot of them are unsubstantiated. A lot, a lot of the stuff around Elizabeth Bathory is rumor and and conjecture. So, and and you'll see why in a minute. Um, yeah. Bathory was a Calvinist Protestant, and as a young woman, she learned Latin, German, Hungarian, and Greek. So, Good Lord. Yeah, that's even you know for the aristocracy, that is an education. Like that is that's incredibly yeah. well yeah. done. Um, born into a privileged family of nobility, Bathory was endowed with wealth, education, and a prominent social rank. At the age, this oh, this ugh, more horrible stuff. At the age of thirteen, before her first marriage, Bathory allegedly gave birth to a child. Good Middle Lord. ages, man, they were fucking awful. Jesus, like, oh, she's had a child. Get the blood and the skull fragments. We'll, <laughs> we'll smear it on her lips again. See if that helps. Um, Lord. Yeah, it's dark, man. The child, said to have been fathered by a peasant boy, was supposedly given away to a local woman who was trusted by the Bathory family. The woman was paid for her actions and the child was taken to Wallachia, which is like a kind of a, a region around like Hungary and uh, Transylvania and stuff like that. Always getting invaded by the Ottomans. So not a great place to kind of send a child, to be honest. Go hide here. Go hide here. <laughs> You'll have to switch allegiances every six months. Um, <laughs> evidence of this pregnancy came up uh, long after Elizabeth's death, though, again, rumours were spread by peasants, therefore the validity of the rumour is often disputed. So, you know, it's another thing that is not backed up by any official source. Bathory was engaged at the age of 10 to Count cool. Ferenc... Oh, Jesus, fucking the Middle Ages, man. Ferenc Nadestai, a member of the Nadestai family in what was uh, probably a political arrangement within the circles of the aristocracy in Hungary and Transylvania. He was the son of Baron Thomas Nadestai de Nas Nadestad et Fogusfold <laughs> and Orsolia Kanizai. All right, I got that one right. That's okay. Um, Sounds legit. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it works. That's <laughs> the closest I'm going to get to saying any of those names right. Um, as Elizabeth's sto social standing was higher than that of her husband, she refused to change her last name. Good, good for you, Bathory, yeah. you potential murderer. Uh, and instead, <laughs> Nadestai assumed the surname Bathory. Yeah, you get put in your fucking place, mate. Uh, That's a cooler name anyway. It is. There. Yeah, and it's going to hold a lot more 
her um, historic significance after this. Uh, the couple <laughs> married when she was uh, 15 and he was 19. So actually, for the for the Middle Ages, that's not so bad, like, compared to other fucking marriage ages, like uh, 15 and, like, 40-odd. Like, that was not uncommon at this time. So 15 and 19, at least they're reasonably close in age. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, you get a pass, Middle Ages, on that <laughs> one, you, you weird freak show. Um, at the Palace of Vranov... Nad Taplo, Vanov in Hungary, in Hungary, um, on uh, the eighth of May, fifteen seventy-five. Approximately four thousand five hundred guests were invited to the wedding. Fucking hell! Jesus. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's the population of Transylvania right there. I think <laughs> that's like everyone who hasn't been murdered by the Ottomans is at this wedding. Um, Nadasdai's wedding gift to Bathory was his household castle at Sezgiti. Situated in the Little Carpathians, the castle had been bought by his mother in 1569 and given to Nadasdai, who transferred it to Elizabeth during their nuptials, together with the uh, county house, the country house, and 17 adjacent villages. Good so, lord! I'm assuming you get villages with that as well, which is kind of fucked up. But yeah, what a village, castle, a country house, and a shitload of villages. so okay um i mean i gave my wife uh, i was just writing down here i gave my wife a house um and a honeymoon in cornwall which didn't involve skulls and blood so i think i win that one Um, yeah (laughs) i gave mine a ring pop yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) nice um in 1578 nadasdai became the chief commander of hungarian troops leading them to war against the ottomans and was christened the black knight of hungary which, that's badass. That's the most metal <laughs> fucking name I've ever heard. It's like, why hasn't, uh, Chris, uh, what's his name, Christopher Lee made a metal album about the Black Knight of Hungary? That's that's one I would have loved to have heard. Uh, Is that the same Black Knight that lost his arms and legs in that Monty Python? Tis, but a scratch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, you stupid bastard, you've got no arms left. Um, yeah, it could well have been him. <laughs> Uh, with her husband away at war, Bathory managed business affairs at the estates. So it's Transylvania. So that'll be things like, you know, growing garlic, uh, fashioning steaks, giving villagers crucifixes to ward off vampires. Yeah, typical Transylvanian stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what that's they what do. You do. That, that's I've done my research. <laughs> that's that's those are the three major industries in Transylvania. Um, this role usually included responsibilities for the Hungarian and Slovak people, providing medical care during the Long War, uh, 1593 to 1606, and Bathory was charged with the defence of her husband's estate, which lay on the route to Vienna. So that's like, you have to, you, you are a stopgap between the destruction of one of the most important centres in Europe and Ottoman conquests, which were really, you know, just rolling through the area at the time. Um yeah. That's right not in the, right in the way. Yeah, like kind of you. You can hold it off. He's off fighting. You can be the 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 other knight of Hungary. Uh, the threat of attack <laughs> was significant, as the villages of Ches- uh, Sedjete, oh, just say Yeti, 
um, had previously been <laughs> plundered by the Ottomans, while Sarva, located near the border that divided Royal Hungary and Ottoman-occupied Hungary, was in even greater danger. There were several instances where Bathory intervened on behalf of destitute women, including a woman whose husband had been captured by the Ottomans and a woman whose daughter had been, well, you know, soldiers capturing women. You know what happens. So she's doing a fucking good job so far, Elizabeth Bathory. I think it's fair okay. to say at this point, like, she's... Everything seems to be going well. I mean, oh, it's not great that your husband's off at war, but... Yeah. Yeah. You know? So far, so good. So I far, so good. She's she's doing yeah. good stuff. She's saving women. Um, Bathory's daughter, Anna Nadestai, was born in 1585 and later became the wife of Nikola VI Vrinsky. I'm not sure who that is. Bathory's other known children include Olsoya, named after her mother, Catalin, Andras, and Paul, father of Franz III. Oh, cool. Um, some, chron- some chronicles also indicate that the couple had another son named Miklos, although this cannot be confirmed, and it could be said that he was simply a cousin or he died young, um, as his name is not Bathos- Bathory... Uh, it's not he's not part of the will so that, that okay. again might be conjecture this is where the tragedy starts this this starts kind of yeah basically it goes downhill from here okay uh, Bathory's... No, no more so far so good <laughs> no more of that no we, we were doing so well Bathory's husband Ferenc Nadestai died on the 4th of January 1604 at the age of 48 um, some sources say he died in battle but from what I'm about to tell you I doubt that's that's possible to be honest although the exact nature of the illness which led to his death is unknown it seems to have started in 1601 and initially caused debilitating pain in his legs uh, from that time, he never fully recovered and in 1603 became permanently disabled. He'd been married to Bathory for 29 years, which is a hell of a long time for that time. Yeah, you know, it is. Especially someone who's fighting um, on the front lines with the Ottomans, who were the scary world power at the time. Uh, before yeah. dying... Sorry, go on. I was going to say, 48 and still in combat back yeah. in those days. That's nutty. <laughs> That's like retirement age back then. That's kind of crazy. Uh, before I dying, even be able to do it today. Yeah, no, fuck that, <laughs> fuck that. Eight years, I'm going to be in the war, no chance. Uh, before dying, Nadestai entrusted his heirs and widow to Georgi Thurzo, who would eventually lead the investigation into Bathory's crimes. So he he said, listen, buddy, I'm not giving you anything, but I want you to look after these people. And the guys went, yeah, sure, whatever, you fucking arsehole. Uh, <laughs> don't, give, don't even give me a few bits of money for a drink or whatever. So, yeah, let's get into the allegations. This is where it gets dark. Between 1602 and 1604, after rumours of Bathory's atrocities had spread throughout the kingdom, Lutheran minister Istvan Magyari made complaints against her both publicly and at the court in Vienna. The Hungarian authorities took some time to respond to Magyari's complaints. Finally, in 1610, King Matthias II assigned Thurzo, the Palatine of Hungary, to investigate. Thurzo ordered two notaries, Andreas Keresturi and Moses Chiaraki, uh, to collect evidence in March 1610. By October 1610, they'd collected 52 witness statements, um, but by 1611, that number had risen to over 300. That's piling on. Uh, it's kind of... There's a point <laughs> at which we're like, okay, so there's kind of two possibilities here. Either Elizabeth Bathory 
has gone completely batshit crazy because her husband's died and started murdering and torturing all of these women in plain sight of hundreds of witnesses or it's bullshit and we're going to get to the part where you can make up your mind for yourselves. According to the testimonies, Bathory's first victims were girls aged between 10 and 14 years old. Bathory is said to have begun killing daughters of the lesser gentry who were sent to her uh, gynecium. Now, uh, I, I should. Do you know what a gynecium is? I didn't until I, I did the research in this. I just want to point this out for listeners. Um, it's defined as a place where the married women, women of the household would often join the unmarried women and the female slaves at night. Uh, when they were not attending to their husbands. The women spent most of their days in this area of the house. These rooms were more remote from uh, those reserved for the men by placing them away from the street and the public areas of the house. When visitors were entertained, the women were not present a lot of the time, so they were kind of kept so safe. put the women in the closet back Pretty here. much, yeah. <laughs> uh, especially with like a lot of soldiers around, I can see sometimes that might be a good idea. Uh, but remained in the secluded portion of the house, uh, usually um, because Bathory was so well-educated and very, very smart and in a good position of power, a lot of local kind of lower gentry, as they are called in this account, would have sent their um, their their kids to kind of study under her because they're like, okay, women only have access to, access to certain types of education at this point. She's very well educated. We'll send them to her. She can chain, uh, train them and teach them Latin and train them in uh, courtly etiquette as well so they learn how right. to behave in court, court even. Um, so uh, another thing here, the use of needles was also mentioned by the collaborators in court, although hers potentially worked. Um, there were many <laughs> suspected forms of torture carried out by Bathory on these young women. According to Budapest City Archives, the girls were burned with hot tongs and then placed in freezing cold water. They were also covered in honey and live ants. Oh, Bathory, what the hell? I know, that's <laughs> fucked up. That is. That's some really dark shit. Bathory has also been accused multiple times of cannibalism, but that, again, all of this completely conjecture. Always, um, always say they ate them. Yeah, Anytime. of course. Yeah, and make it worse. Always say they <laughs> ate their victims. Some witnesses named relatives who died at the gynecium. Others reporting having seen traces of torture on dead bodies. But it's like, yeah, what? Where were the dead bodies? What? Where, you know, could yeah. it have been animals that did this? You know, yeah, were there like, were there some birds around? Some exactly, wolves or dogs, yeah. maybe? And, and who's <laughs> a fucking expert in that? Like, you just walk around. Oh, that's that's torture, right there. Are you sure there's a fucking crow? Apparently, back the in the day, you could get one of those certificates for just <laughs> yeah, about anything. <laughs> you could just buy that shit. That was just amazing, or forge it in some yeah. cases. Um, so some of the victims were buried in graveyards and others in unmarked locations. So yeah, they're finding these bodies in the wilds of Transylvania and they're like, oh yeah, they were tortured instead of wild animals did that shit. Um, yeah. Two core officers, Benedict DeCio and Jacob uh, Zvilivasi, claimed to have personally witnessed the Countess torture and kill young servant girls, which is kind of fucked. Um, yeah. So let's um we 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 can't go into the exact nature of some of the allegations because we're live on YouTube and Twitch and Twitter so kind of can't talk about too much but honey and live ants that's that's kind of enough 
for me. You don't yeah. really need to know too much more of that. Um, let's move on to a trial uh, and the initial arrest. On the 12th of December, 1610, Nikola VI Vrinsky confirmed the agreement with Thurzo about the imprisonment of Bathory and the distribution of the estate. On the 30th of December, Thurzo went to Jete Castle and arrested Bathory along with four of her servants who were accused of being her accomplices, Dorotea Semetzes, Elena Yo, Katerina Benica, and Janos Uvarai. I think that is... That's, that's, okay. I'm not going to yeah. try those again. Uh, Nailed <laughs> it, man. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, according to Thurzo's letter to his wife, his unannounced visit found one dead girl and another living prey girl in the castle. But there's absolutely no evidence that they asked her, uh, that they asked him what happened to her. So, like, they're like, so what happened after you got there? Like, living prey girl? Isn't that a living Rob Zombie song? Girl. That's, that's, that's a Rob Zombie, Zombie song. That's definitely that's got to be a, or a Rob Zombie film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Should be. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could certainly make a soundtrack out of that. Uh, although it's commonly believed that Bathory was caught in the act of torture, she was in fact having dinner. So this stuff well, about we walked in on her. Like, oh, she had all the honey. And there were there was a whole big bowl <laughs> of ants just waiting. She was just sitting down. Like, can I help you? It's kind of six thirty. I'm I'm trying to eat. Maybe it's maybe it's what she was eating. Yeah, maybe it was a prey girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> initially, Thurzo made the declaration to Bathory's guests and villagers that he had caught her red-handed. However, she was arrested and detained prior to the discovery uh, or presentation of the victims. So he's just like doing it for show at this point. It seems most likely that the claim of Thurzo discovering Bathory covered in blood has been embellished of fictionalized accounts. Hey, come on, dude. If you're going to make shit up, like at least make it plausible. Like, I caught her and she was coming out of a door and she didn't want me to go in. Like, that's a bit more believable than she was mid cannibalizing this poor girl. Like, no fucking just, way. Just covered in blood. Just, it, just you... head to toe, this noble woman who took pride in her appearance, just smeared in blood. Unfortunately, uh, pictures or it didn't happen didn't exist back then, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, she's a witch. She's covered in blood. <laughs> Thurzo debated further proceedings with Bathory's son, Paul, and two of her sons-in-law, Nikola Sixvarinsky and Georgi Drugev. Her family, which ruled Transylvania, sought to avoid the loss of Bathory's property, yeah, I bet, which was at <laughs> risk of being seized by the crown following a public scandal. Thurzo, along with Paul and her two sons-in-law, originally planned for Bathory to be sent to a nunnery, but as accounts of her actions spread, they decided to keep her under strict house arrest, which is, again, that's probably good, because she would have been killed by someone yeah. in the wilds of Transylvania. Uh, most of the witnesses testify that they had um, heard the accusations from uh, other people, uh, ah. but but didn't see it themselves. So you've got 300 witnesses. Great. Which one of them is an eyewitness? Oh, not a single one of you? Okay. My friend's right. brother. He yeah. saw it. Uh, my tennis partner, <laughs> his uh, his maid, uh, she she heard something from someone else. Uh, the, servant, <laughs> the servants of the Bathory household confessed under torture, which is not credible even in contemporary proceedings. I, 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 I know that. I don't think it would have been credible back then either. Uh, they were the king's witnesses, 
uh, but they were executed quickly after giving evidence. Fucking hell. Wow. This is all be- it's beginning to sound a bit fishy, isn't it? Just, they, yeah. Okay, so all of you guys testified for it, but uh, just in case, <coughs> you, you're all dead yeah. too. You, you're going on a special holiday. Off you go. Just go around the back there. Ignore the slashing of knives. That's that's fine. Uh, the accusations of murder were based on rumour. There is no document to prove that anyone in the area had complained about the Countess. At this point in time, if someone was harmed or someone stole a child, a letter of complaint was written um, and there wasn't a single one. I mean, you can say that, you know, she was powerful and... You know, she could have yeah. swayed them. But, like, someone writes a letter. They do it surreptitiously and anonymously. You can get that out. But apparently nothing, not a single letter. Um, two trials were held in the wake of Bathory's arrest. The first was held in the 2nd of January 1611 and the second in the 7th of January 1611 as well. So five days apart, you have those That's... two trials. Yeah. That seems okay. Yeah, you yeah. Totally there's have time probably to so many victims. Both. Yeah, they have to do like <laughs> multiple trials. Uh, the highest number of victims cited during the trial of Bathory's accomplices was six hundred and fifty. But this, Holy. that's a lot. That's a lot of dead people. Uh, but this number comes from the claim by a servant girl named Susanna that Jacob Zelesvini, uh, Bathory's court official, had seen the figure in one of Bathory's private books. The book was never revealed, and Slizavsi never mentioned it in his testimonial. So that's, that's what I would do if I were going to be a mass murderer, cannibal yeah. person. Is I would keep a journal <laughs> and write down, would, like, just take them off as you go. You have just, proper bookkeeping. Or, yeah, you, you got to, you know, he's like, oh, and like, oh, number four hundred and seventy-seven, delicious. Oh, God. <laughs> Just the right amount of salt. Oh, it was wonderful. It was such a wonderful night. I wasn't even bloated afterwards. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, this thing's a bullshit, really, doesn't it, at the moment? Um, wow. On the 25th of January, 1611, Thurzo wrote a letter to King Matthias describing that they had captured and confined Bathory to her castle. The Palatine also coordinated the steps of the investigation with the political struggle with the Prince of Transylvania, who was also involved. She was detained (laughs) at the castle of Shedi for the remainder of her life, where she died at the age of 54. As Gregory Thurzo wrote, Elizabeth Bathory was locked in a bricked room but according to other sources, written documents from visits of priests around about uh, July 1614, she was able to move freely and unhindered in the castle, more akin to house arrest, which I've got to be honest, if you are going to serve a sentence for mass murder, I think having a castle to yourself is kind of okay. Yeah, um, it's not even too if you bad. didn't do it, you're still essentially <laughs> at home until you die. So the 21st century and, the you know, people who smuggle cannabis don't get that kind of treatment. So, no. you know, it's kind of a bit bit harsh, really. The, the rich never go poor, do they? Um, <laughs> she wrote a will in 1610 in which she left all the current and future inheritance possessions to her children. Um, in the last month of 1614, she signed her arrangement in which she distributed the estates, lands and possessions amongst her children. And on the evening of the 20th of August 1614, Bathory complained to her bodyguard that her hands were cold, whereupon he replied, It's nothing, mistress. Just go and lie down which is the 17th century version of shut the fuck up and go to bed. 
<laughs> like, come on, have a little compassion. This woman's got cold hands. Give her a blanket or something. Jesus, right? Get some mittens. It's Transylvania. You're not on the fucking like. You're not in the Medis- Mediterranean or anything <laughs> like that. It gets cold. Um, right. Yeah, uh, she went to sleep and was found dead the following morning. She was buried in the church of Sheti on uh, the 25th of November, 1614. But according to some sources, due to the village's uproar over having the Countess buried in the cemetery, her body was moved to her birth home, birth home in Exed, where it was uh, uh, interred at the Bathory family crypt. The location of her body today is still unknown. Uh, the Chati Church and the Castle of Chati do not bear any markings of her possible grave. Um, I, I, the thing is, like, it's very difficult because obviously uh, they will have heard about like the trial and the allegations and stuff like that. But also, these people were there, so you know, you never know if it's rumor or if it's true. But um, the locals did not want her buried in the graveyard. So, um, well, yeah. Let's get to um, the modern takes on Elizabeth Bathory. Um, several authors, such as Laszlo Nagy and Dr. Irma Zedeki-Cardos have argued that uh, Elizabeth Bathory was a victim of a conspiracy. You fucking think? Um, Seems like it. <laughs> at this point. I mean, like, okay, let's let's say that you believe the mantra of there is no smoke without fire, right? And that maybe she was cruel, maybe she tortured someone, maybe she killed one person... It kind of doesn't explain why they didn't just say this woman murdered someone instead of she's murdered 650 people, she's tortured them, she's put them in honey and dipped them in ants and (laughs) bathed in their blood. It's like that doesn't, it's just, it's so extreme that I have a hard time believing any of it happened. That's the problem. It's the orgy of evidence. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I think they just wanted to make real damn sure that she got (laughs) something. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. They just wanted to make sure it stuck. But even then, like, they didn't execute her. They're like, you can stay in your castle. Like, okay. Um, yeah. Can I go on holiday once a year? No? All right, okay. I'll just sunbathe here then, I guess. Um, but Nagy <laughs> argued uh, that the proceedings against Bathory were largely politically motivated, possibly due to her extensive wealth and ownership of large areas of land in Hungary escalating after the death of her husband. So they're basically saying that the accusations coincided with the Black Knight of Hungary dying. So it's like, oh, she's fair game now. So yeah, go after her. That's kind of what I was thinking too. Yeah, it's like they wait until the powerful man's out of the way and then they go after the powerful woman, which is like, again, you know, we're talking not too far apart from... Matthew Hopkins here with the kind of the witch trials. So women were definitely vulnerable no matter how powerful they were. Um, The theory is consistent with Hungarian history at the time, which included religious and political conflicts, especially relating to the wars with the Ottoman Empire, the spread of Protestantism and the extension of Habsburg power over Germany. Moreover, Matthias owned a large debt to Bathory, which was cancelled after she was arrested. Well, there you go. Uh-huh, I mean, yeah. That's, that's it, isn't it? That's like, the yep. king was like, oh, shit, I am in the hole. Uh, <laughs> can we, can we, like, can we set her up? You know, yeah, 650, that sounds fine. Just do it. Um, yeah. That's... You know what? It, it definitely sounds like they 
just wanted to take her shit. Yeah. And, and like it, not have to pay her back, basically. Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, there are counter arguments made against the theory. Uh, the investigation into Bathory's crimes was sparked by complaints from a Lutheran minister, Istvan uh, Mag- Magairi. I think I mentioned him at the start. MacGyver. No. Um, <laughs> this does not contribute to the notion... Um, of a Catholic Hatsburg plot against the Protestant Bathory, although religious tension is still a possible source of conflict as Bathory was raised Calvinist, not Lutheran. So it's like there may have... You know, I, I just... It's, it's hard to know because he complained that he'd seen some stuff um, and it seems reasonably unscrutable, but you just don't know. Like, there might have been a falling out or, or he might have been a puppet and... It's so hard yeah. to know. Um, yeah. To support Bathory's innocence, the testimony of around 300 witnesses and the physical evidence collected by investigators have to be ad- uh, have to be addressed or dis- uh, disputed. The evidence included numerous bodies and dead and dying girls found when the castle was entered by Thurzo. Historians argue that the physical evidence was exaggerated by Thurzo, who uh, misrepresented dead and wounded patients as the victim of Bathory, as disgracing her would greatly benefit his political ambitions. Yeah, they would. Um, and he'd also inherited this family, which I don't think he wanted. I think he wanted their shit. So, yeah. you know. That's, yeah, there's 17 villages. Yeah, you know, he wants some of them. <laughs> you know, he wants the good ones, the ones with the good pubs. You know, I'll have that yeah. one. That one has a really nice roast on Sunday. I want that village. Um, the case of Elizabeth Bathory inspired numerous stories during the 18th and 19th century. The most common motif of these uh, works was that the Countess bathing in victims' blood to retain beauty or youth. That shit still happens, like, as a, a thing now. Like, you look into the QAnon stuff, like, oh, yeah. the Clintons bathing in children's right. blood. and shit. That, that all comes from Elizabeth Bathory, and uh, it wasn't even true, so... Well, that, yeah, that's that's the story that I heard, and and eating babies and bathing in blood—that's just been common yeah. since you know the days of the biblical days. It, it, oh, it that's has. how you get. That's how you make them the bad guy. I know, and like, has anybody ever? Because like this whole bathing in blood, has anybody ever thought about how complicated it would be to actually bathe in blood? Right, you're talking a hundred gallons of blood. That's like a lot of dead people. That's several hundred people. All in right. the same place. And, like, you know, <laughs> who wants to have a bath after that? You know, you're going to, oh, we're not going to refill it with another 300 people. Can can someone use this bath water after me, please? Can <laughs> someone get in there? You know, it's like, no. I, it's impractical you, to bathe in blood. Um, could you even drain that many bodies before it started to really just yeah, get funky? congeal and shit. There'd be flies everywhere. Why would you want to get in that? You're like, oh, it'll restore my youth and my beauty. <laughs> it's like there's flies and shit floating around in it now. Don't do that. Um, so this legend uh, appeared in print for the first time in 1729 in uh, in the Jesuit scholar Laszlo Terzucki Tra. Tragica Historia, the first written account of the Bathory's case. The story um, came into question in seventeen in eighteen seventeen when the witness accounts, which had surfaced in seventeen sixty five, were published for the first time. They included no reference to bloodbaths. So there you go. That's that's <laughs> off the table. Yeah. So he again, just dude, just made it up. That shit. See. So. I'm I'm concerned one of these days one of the satire pieces or one of my horror stories is going to be found by future future generations and they're going to be like holy sh jeez 
They really what in the did hell that? were these oh people up to? <laughs> yeah, found alongside a copy of DC and like, oh my god, there was a man who flew around in a cape and punched people. <laughs> you imagine, like, oh my god, oh wow, um, the, all the ancient Greek stories were real as well. No, they weren't. No, the majority of that is bullshit. Uh, right. Yeah. Derek, horror author, uh, I, I genuinely hope that your stories are taken as as gospel in future. <laughs> that this would shit be happened. amazing. Oh my god, <laughs> it's real. <coughs> um, in his book, uh, Hungary and Transylvania, published in 1850, John Paget describes the supposed origins of Bathory's bloodbathing, although his tale seems to be a fictionalized recitation of oral history from the area. So, like, yeah, I'm going to publish this. Some idiot said it, and it's been passed down for generations. That's fine. Oral history is always accurate. The beginning of I did my own research. Yeah, I did my own research. <laughs> I asked this dude. Um, it's difficult to know how accurate his accounts of events um, are. Uh, sadistic pleasure is considered a far more plausible motive for Bathory's crimes. Crimes like that. Um, uh, okay, so Bathory has been labelled by Guinness World Records as the most prolific female murderer of all time, based on that 650 murderers. If we are to take the plausibility of maybe she was just a bit cruel and maybe beat people and maybe tortured, that's that that might be the case. But um, I'm more inclined. I'm not sure how much of this is true or not. I certainly don't think she killed 650 people. I doubt she the killed of more work, than 100. Yeah, yeah. The amount of work that you'd have to do to find them. And I know. Like, surely you'd be getting suspicious as a victim at this point. Like you walk, you've heard stories, right? Three hundred people have gone missing in the vicinity of this castle. You can smell shit coming from right. the castle. <laughs> there's blood everywhere. There's stains. There appear to be screams in the distance. I don't think anyone would be stupid enough to go in, would you? Yeah. Or you know, or at least put up a fight. And also, if <laughs> this were true and the village was getting like people were being stolen left, right, and centre, surely someone would have tried to kill her. No one did, you know. Yeah, I just... they didn't even try to execute her when they convicted no. her. So, so it just—it smells super sussy to me. So that's the story of Elizabeth Bathory, and really, what I'm doing here because this is the third female we've covered. I, um, what I'm saying is the fictionalized version that seems to be present as Elizabeth Bathory is the idiot I'm calling into question. And to be honest, I'm almost certain that she has been completely fictionalised at this point. Yeah, maybe she was a bit of a bitch, but I don't think she's out there murdering 650 people. And no. she may be history's most maligned woman um, since, like, Mary Magdalene, to be quite honest, because, like, as far as we can tell, yeah. she may not have murdered anyone. So there you uh, go, yeah. Elizabeth Bathory. That's only if, yeah, you have to assume... That she actually murdered somebody. Yeah. Even though there was no evidence anywhere. Yeah, and a lot of it was made up um, after the fact, or it was second or third-hand information. There was no evidence of anyone complaining, no one reporting anyone missing, no no yeah. signs of blood or torture that, that weren't made up by the guy on the spot. So, yeah, I have to ask, and this is a funny one because I'm, I'm preparing myself for a very low score because we don't even know if it's true. Um, what do you think of Elizabeth Bathory as potentially one of history's greatest idiots? I think as as far as the fictionalized version that I've oh, yeah. been aware of and that you know people have heard the story for, yeah. that would that would get a, a super high score, six hundred yeah. some people. Yeah, um, that's but a lot. 
having no evidence, like you're gonna drop it down a little bit. Yeah. But just for because the Guinness Book of World Record actually validated it. Yeah. To some degree, they did. Um, yeah, that's true. I'll go seventy. And that, that factors in some of the idiocy of all of the people at the time going, <laughs> yeah, that seems right. That seems to work, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it is interesting that Guinness would um, kind of do that. But, you know, we you're right, you know, because a lot of people do know a lot about Elizabeth Bathory, and I think she has kind of, pick, in terms of her, like, infamy, it certainly picked up in the last few years, um, the kind yeah. of the, the legend around Elizabeth Bathory. But the more you look into it, the more it doesn't make sense. This is a woman who was fluent in six languages, who was trained in, like, economics. She could handle, right. like, the ruling of an entire country in Transylvania. She managed She's the affairs and releasing off. of victims. Yeah. Like, who would that same woman, no matter how weird and fucked up her upbringing was, would that woman be stupid enough to murder people in front of 300 witnesses, I just don't think she would, even if no. she was cruel and sadistic. Like, it, psychopaths, okay, yeah, you know, psychopaths, evil, whatever, they typically don't kill people in front of witnesses and then let those witnesses live, do they? Right, yeah, that's an, <laughs> that's another part of it, yeah. But she, yeah, Bathory is, is up there too with, like, H.H. H. Holmes. Yes. Who's totally, mostly fictionalized. I know. I mean, he actually probably did kill some people. Yeah. Uh, but like... And he definitely wasn't educated. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Uh, it, it's such a weird situation. And I think the take-home I've got from these two stories, particularly with Matthew Hopkins um, and Elizabeth Bathory as well, is that... For a very long portion of history, it was incredibly dangerous to be a woman in this world. Oh, for sure. Holy shit. <laughs> because, like, we're talking about, you know, the witches, I would imagine, that were accused in Matthew Hopkins's day were probably easy targets, I'd imagine. They weren't landed gentry or aristocracy or anything like that. Elizabeth Bathory was the most powerful woman in Eastern Europe, and she still got shit. So yeah. no one, yeah. no woman was immune from the machinations of evil men at this time, evil, powerful men. So the take home and theme of this Halloween uh, episode is um, the murdering patriarchy, I think. It's just <laughs> <coughs> men from history. I mean, you know, we look at our greatest history's rankings, mostly men and yeah. uh, incredibly stupid and sometimes incredibly evil and immoral and horrible. So the take-home from this Halloween special, I think, has been that men are fucking horrible at times. So, yeah, <laughs> that's that's my big thing. Um, uh, it was, I am. I'm sorry. <laughs> there's no two ways about it. That's kind of fucked up, really, but there you yeah. go. I, I actually had... Because I, I wanted to do Elizabeth Bathory, I initially wanted to do somebody else. But then I remembered Elizabeth Bathory and I was like, oh, yeah, she killed a load of people. That's going to be a great Halloween thing because the stories of how these people died and what was the torture that was done to them and stuff. It's so, <clears throat> sorry, it's so embellished. And then I look into it and then I look into multiple sources and I'm like, oh, yeah, it does seem a bit fictionalized, doesn't it? Oh, maybe it was concocted by an arsehole. Okay, sure, yeah. <laughs> and um, I had a lot of fun researching it, but I, I pretty much have done maybe not necessarily a 180, but like a 
45 on Elizabeth Bathory because I was never 100% sure that she like who kills 600 people but like right. yeah she's not Genghis Khan like she's not going yeah I did it yeah and I'll kill you too uh, well, even he didn't do it all himself I know he's like you do it but I'll eat people there's no problem there um, but it's just like um, when I read it, I did do a, a significant turn on Elizabeth Bathory to the point where I think that she has certainly been made the victim of a lit, uh, an almost literal witch hunt. And there were women in your story who were made the victims of a literal witch hunt. So, yeah, fuck. 300 or so. 300 women. And then the multiple dozens and hundreds afterwards in Salem and Massachusetts and across Europe. Holy shit. Yep. So... There we go. That's this week's um, Halloween special. I, that's my scary voice. Yay. That's my voice for everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, basically, uh, Matthew Hopkins, a, uh, a charlatan and a liar and a murderer who became very wealthy doing it and was very successful and popularized witch hunting on a scale never seen before. And luckily died really quick after. Thank fuck for that and hopefully a slightly painful death as well because tuberculosis that ain't no that ain't no slow slide into unconsciousness that is a painful painful death and elizabeth bathory who might have been horrible might potentially have been a murderer but was probably set up by powerful men who wanted her shit so um, <laughs> so there we go that's this week's episode um what did you think of the stories derek when you were researching it what did you think well, when I when I was researching it, I just kept wandering down rabbit holes, and, oh, yeah. and it was God. There's so much crazy crap going on at that time, um, really all is. surrounding witches and demonology and religious fervor, and it's like holy shit, these people were nuts. Yeah, they really were. <laughs> like, you, there's no disguising the fact that um, you know people were very easy. I mean, people are these days, but people were very easily swayed by passionate arguments that. Even in the cold light of day, the next day would have been like, mm, that's a bit fucking suspicious. Uh, <laughs> you know? Um, and I know people are people are prone to believe in conspiracy theories because there's something about them that's just so enticing and so comforting and so interesting. But like, well, yeah, I think in the Middle people Ages... People want to have a meaning. People, know? yeah, they want to have uh, not just a meaning, but also something to be scared of. some yeah. Some other to rally against and uh unfortunately sometimes that other will be jewish people or women or trans people or gay people or different races or ethnic minorities or you know fictional boogeymen and uh they just <laughs> a lot of that is to hide the fact that you know it's comforting to have someone to rally against because in reality the world is just fucking chaos and that exactly. is the real halloween takeaway <laughs> you can think that there is uh, people controlling this world all you like, but they they don't control everything. It's chaos, and all you got to do is fumble your way through it, really, as best you can. Um, so that's our show for this week. We will be back in a couple of weeks with a non-Halloween special, and I'm looking forward to that. Got a bunch of people lined up. Derek, would you like to say goodbye? To, goodbye, please. Goodbye, everybody. It's been fun. It has been fun, and uh, we will see you all again soon. Take care now. Bye. <laughs>